0: to the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find it on page 1283. If you'll go about three quarters of the way through the New Testament, you'll find the book of Hebrews. If you get to the book of James, you've gone too far, uh, go back. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11. And while you're finding your place there, I just need to mention a couple things to you. Uh, regarding uh, the project that I'm working on for school if you are on the church email chain you should have received this morning an email from me don't pull your phone out and look now (laughs) trust me it's there Uh, there is a cover letter and a link to the survey that I need you to fill out And I need you to fill that out before next Sunday. And then if you just follow the link, it'll walk you right through. It'll take you about 10 minutes uh, to do that. And once you're finished, it'll automatically submit it. If you are not on the church email list, if you do not have internet, if you do not use computers, there are hard copies at each exit of the sanctuary today. And you can take one of those with you. And if you'll bring that back next Sunday, we'll have baskets at the doors and you can place uh, the hard copy in there. Uh, the instructions should be pretty simple to follow. If you have any questions, please uh, reach out to me. And I really appreciate uh, your willingness uh, to be a part of this and help. And uh, remind you that the survey is just for teenagers. Up, okay? And uh, appreciate you taking part in that and certainly covet your prayers as we begin studying the book of Job together next week. Uh, this morning, I did not want to start Matthew chapter 19, which would be my normal custom since we'll be breaking from Matthew next week for the book of Job. And I had several people uh, come to me last week after finishing Matthew chapter 18 saying, I never thought I would be glad that we would study the book of Job together after Matthew chapter 18. (laughs) And I concur, Matthew 18 was very challenging for us. And so as I prayed and thought about what I would speak to you about this morning, my prayer all week was just that God would use me to be an encouragement to you a spiritual source of encouragement this morning Uh, if you're like me everything feels heavy everything feels dark everything feels difficult we're living as Paul reminded Timothy in perilous dangerous uncertain times and one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament really serves as an encouragement to us for the days in which we're living. And so this morning we're going to think about Noah. And I want to speak for a few minutes on this subject, a warning concerning events unseen. So if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at one verse only, verse number 7. And this is what the Bible says. About Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to as the great hall of faith or the great chapter of faith and for all of the men and women that are listed in this chapter their genuine faith in God was made known and evident by something that they did it reminds us that true faith in God always has actions that support the claim of faith. That in order for faith to be valid, it must visibly radiate itself in good deeds. That if you and I really believe in God, there will be evidence of our belief in God in the way that we live, in the things that we say, and in the things that we do. James Described it this way in James chapter 2 and verse 26. He says that for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, I found John MacArthur to be very, very helpful in emphasizing this importance of faith and works. And he says, that Satan has continually tried to confuse and mislead people including God's people about faith and works if possible Satan will convince a person that he can be saved by doing good works and if this strategy works that person will be lost to God if a person trusts in God and is saved Satan tries to then convince them of one of two extremes. That they must do works to keep themselves saved, which is legalism. Or that now that they are saved, they can forget about good works, which is license. And from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is clear that a person is saved only by faith. And that when he is saved, good works will always follow as a result. Friends, the Bible teaches us that Noah displayed a dynamic faith in the midst of a dark and unbelieving world. That his life continually showed his faith through utter obedience to God. He worshipped God faithfully. He walked with God faithfully. And he worked with God and for God faithfully. Noah was a real man of faith who believed God and believed God's warning about future events that were unseen. So notice several things with me that we can identify from the life of Noah as an encouragement to all of us this morning for the days that we're living. Number one, I want you to see Noah's revelation from God. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Now the Bible teaches us that Noah was born and reared during a crucial transition period in the early history of the world. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 28 to 32, Moses indicates that Noah was the last pre-flood descendant in the godly line of Adam through Seth. And that during the early centuries of Noah's life, mankind's complete depravity and rebellion against God reached a tipping point. And here's how the Bible describes the culture and the days in which Noah lived. And listen to this description. It is relevant for you and me this morning Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 through 7 the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart so the Lord said I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens for I am sorry that I have made man now in that same chapter in Genesis chapter 6 verses 11 to 13 God goes on to provide commentary for these days in which Noah lived and this is what he says now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. This is a description of the darkness, the depravity, the rebellion of the culture of Noah's day, the culture in which Noah lived, a culture I would submit to you this morning that is not too different from the culture that you and I find ourselves living in this morning. And yet, don't miss this this morning. You and I need to hear this and be reminded of this truth. In the midst of all of this darkness, in the midst of all this depravity and difficulty, Noah had hope. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, God describes something significant about Noah. And just in case you missed it, verse 8 is right in the middle of the two sets of verses that I just read to you. Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 through 7 is the first commentary on the culture of Noah's day. Verses 9 to 11 is the second commentary on the culture of Noah's day. And right in the middle of it is verse number 8. Are you curious to know what verse number 8 says? This is what it says. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word favor literally translates grace. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of depravity, in the midst of wickedness, in the midst of everyone going their own way, doing what they think is best, the Bible says that Noah found grace from God. And I want to remind you this morning, I want to remind me this morning that even in the midst of the deepest darkness, even in the midst of the greatest difficulty, even in the midst of societal and moral decay, the grace of God is still present. And it was the grace of God, if you'll notice in verse number 7, that brought this warning about the future to Noah. The writer of Hebrews says that God warned Noah The word warned means it was literally an authoritative command from God. And the Bible says in verse number 7 that by faith, when God warned Noah with this authoritative command, Noah believed what God had to say. And notice in verse number 7 that this warning that God gave Noah was about events that were coming in the future that Noah had never seen and yet even though Noah didn't see it with his physical eyes he believed it and saw it with his eyes of faith by faith he believed God's warning and that's what faith does faith hears the Word of God and faith believes the Word of God and faith believes it with so much certainty that it makes the promise of the Word of God present so that a believer actually sees it and rests in what God is saying through His Word even though he can't physically see it that is faith it's exactly The definition of faith that the writer of Hebrews gives in the very first verse of this chapter. Do you see it? Now faith is the conviction of things not seen. You are convicted that this is going to be a reality even though you can't see it. Faith. Well, what was... Noah's faith-like. Well, Noah believed God's warning. This is what he believed. This is what the Bible teaches. Listen carefully. He believed that there was going to be a global flood. He believed that the earth's population was going to be destroyed by the flood. He believed that he and his family, based on the promise of God, would be rescued from the flood. And he believed that he would build an ark. By faith, Noah saw torrential rains that led to a terrible mountain of water that covered the entire earth and destroyed everything and everyone that was not in the ark. By faith, he saw an immense ark of gopher wood, the work of his hands, rising above the water, bringing deliverance to he and his family who were inside the ark. He believed. God's word concerning the future even though he couldn't see it he found grace I wonder this morning in the midst of the darkness in the midst of the moral decay in the midst of the societal decay that we're watching before our very eyes in the midst of the heaviness in the midst of the foundations of the world Crumbling before us. I wonder this morning if you've forgotten that God's grace still exists in the midst of all of this. I wonder this morning if you've forgotten that God still dispenses his grace. That even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of crumbling, there's hope. There's hope because there's a God who is sovereign over the darkness. There is a God who is sovereign over this world. And there is a God who still dispenses grace to you and me, even in the midst of darkness. Noah believed the word of God. We not only see Noah's revelation from God, we also see in verse number seven, Noah's reverence towards God the writer of Hebrews says in reverent fear he constructed an ark for the saving of his household it was Noah's faith that motivated his fear he believed God verse 7 says that he had reverent fear the word reverent means to move cautiously serpent circumspectively It means to have holy awe in worship. It is genuine spiritual devotion. Westcott defined it as being moved with pious care. Hughes defined it as taking heed with careful attentiveness. Noah believed God's word and he received God's word with a reverent, holy awe and fear. Isaiah described this fear before God's word this way in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. He says, But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That was Noah. Noah trembled at the word of God. He had holy awe and reverence and devotion to God he had a heart of warmth for God this wasn't a fear of being afraid of God this was a fear of not wanting to displease his heavenly father this was a fear of wanting to obey him because he loved him it was a fear of recognizing all that God had done for him and he wanting to respond in obedience And this fear that Noah exhibited is a part of a life of faith. That if you and I are believers in Christ, there should be a holy reverence for God about our lives. That we should take the things of deity seriously. That we are in awe of God. We are in reverential faith. of God, that we actually believe what we sang about, that he is holy, 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 and that if he says something is going to take place in the future, we believe that it will, and Noah was that kind of man. Noah was moved with awe. He was moved with fear. He was moved with respect and reverence towards God. And friends, I would say to you this morning by way of encouragement, if there was ever a day, if there was ever a time when you and I needed to live reverentially in fear and awe of the God of the universe, it's now. It's now. When the rest of the world... Is shaking its fist at God. You and I should be bowing in reverence and submission and humility before God. And that's what Noah did. He believed God's word and he responded in reverent, fear, and awe. Did you know that the book of Proverbs, the key verse for the book of Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, and it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that verse reminds us that if we want wisdom for these days of darkness that we're living in, it begins with the fear of the Lord, with reverence towards God. So we not only see Noah's revelation from God and Noah's reverence towards God, number three, in verse 7, we see Noah's response to God. Now this is amazing. It's amazing how he responds to God. His decision to obey God involved his whole person. His mind was warned by God, his heart was moved with fear, and his will acted on what God told him to do. And I've given three words to describe Noah's response to God. Here's the first one. It's immediate. Look at verse 7. In reverential fear, he constructed an ark. The difference between Noah and everyone else around him was the response that he had to God's warning. When God told Noah that he was getting ready to destroy the world because of its wickedness, and when God instructed him to build an ark, the Bible teaches that Noah dropped everything. And he obeyed. And he began to build the ark. Noah didn't argue with God. Noah didn't make excuses to God. Noah didn't complain. Noah didn't procrastinate. Noah didn't question God. Noah simply obeyed God. Listen to how Genesis chapter 6 describes it in verse 22. Noah did this. He did all. He did all that God commanded him to do genesis chapter 7 in verse 5 and noah did all that the lord had commanded him noah took god at his word and he acted on what god told him to do it's a reminder to you and me this morning we always act on our beliefs we always act on our real convictions and noah's life is teaching us that if we have genuine faith genuine faith always obeys and here's the fascinating part about Noah's obedience are you ready for this do you know how long he obeyed God a hundred and twenty years so why why is the writer of Hebrews making a big deal out of Noah's obedience that's a great question do you know why Because many scholars believe that Noah lived in the Mesopotamian area between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. That means he was never close to a large ocean or body of water. It means that this was a very dry climate. That nobody in Noah's day had ever seen a a flood. And very likely, nobody in Noah's day had ever seen drops of water or rain. And yet... Noah obeyed. What else is astonishing is that the ark that God told Noah to build is nearly one and a half times the length of a football field. It's as wide as a football field, and it's more than four stories high. Noah had never seen a ship like this. Noah had no experience in shipbuilding, and Noah didn't have Home Depot. And yet, for 120 years, he did everything that God told him to do. And can you imagine what his friends, what his neighbors, what the community had to say about Noah? Can you imagine the guys leaving the coal mine, walking by Noah's work site where he's building the ark and making fun of him and laughing at him and calling him a fool. Can you imagine the hospital workers leaving the hospital and on their way home, they say, let's go this route and drive by where that old fool Noah is building that boat. Can you imagine what his children endured on the playground from the other kids? Oh, your dad's the ark builder. What a fool. You're just like him. And for 120 years, he did it. How? By faith. He believed what he couldn't see. And faith obeys regardless of the circumstances or consequences. And that is what Noah did. He is an example of faithful perseverance to the obedience and to the will of God I think John MacArthur sums this up perfectly he says in the midst of such challenging and discouraging circumstances year after year Noah undoubtedly was tempted to put off or give up his God-ordained responsibilities But he made no excuses to God about his lack of preaching qualifications or his lack of shipbuilding experience. He simply preached and built as commanded, year after year in the face of relentless ridicule, wicked rebellion, and callous indifference from the people. In spite of many unanswered questions and long years with no evidence of progress, Noah faithfully and continually obeyed God. You may feel like Noah today. You'd say, Pastor, I've been faithful and obedient to God year after year. I feel like there's no progress. I feel like I'm just in quicksand, struggling. Everything's hard. Everything's difficult. The more I try to persevere, the darker it feels, the harder it becomes. The weaker I feel. You need to be reminded that the grace that was exhibited to Noah to help him persevere is the same grace that you find in Christ to help you persevere. And that God's grace is sufficient to help you persevere in faithfulness regardless of what is happening around you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to study hard every week. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray myself hot. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach as if it's the last sermon I'm ever going to preach. Because it might be one day. And I'm not going to let the darkness, I'm not going to let the struggle, and I'm not going to let the heaviness destroy my enthusiasm for God and for the things of His kingdom. What happens if you don't see progress, Pastor? What are you going to do? Same thing I've done for 18 years, stand up and preach the next passage. What are you going to do after that? The same thing I've done, stand up and preach the next verse. You have no idea what God is doing through your faithfulness. And so, you just obey and you leave the consequences to Him. That's what Noah did. He obeyed and left the consequences to God and it was immediate. Here's the second word, if you're still with me. It was influence. Look at verse 7. Not only did he construct the ark, look at this. Don't miss this verse. For the saving of his household. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18, God said, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And do you know what the Bible records? After 120 years of preaching, only Noah and his family listened to what he had to say and obeyed and went into the ark. And God saved him and all of his household and in genesis chapter 7 in verse number 3 the bible says that god blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens they were blotted from the earth only noah was left and those who were with him in the ark friends noah had influence In the midst of darkness, in the midst of depravity, in the midst of decay, Noah still had influence. And he influenced his whole family, another generation behind him. And would you remember this morning that if you are still breathing, if you're still alive, there is still possibility for you to have influence on those around you and behind you. Why have you forgotten that? Why have you allowed this world to make you think you can't make a difference? To make you think you've got no influence? To make you think that you're through? No. God doesn't just want to rescue you. He wants to rescue your entire family. He wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of those around you even in the midst of this darkness. do you believe that this morning? That you can still have influence, that your story's not over yet? That God's still writing it? And as long as you're alive, the last chapter hasn't been written. Influence. Who are you trying to get in the ark with you this morning? Who are you trying to Influence. Here's my favorite word. Here's the third word if you're still following along. Image. This is my favorite word. He constructed an ark. You say, why, why, why is image your favorite word? Because the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. The ark is a picture of salvation. Do you know what we find in the ark? The Bible says there was only one door. And that every animal that went into the ark went in through the one door. And every human being that went in to the ark went in through the one door. From the snail to the hippopotamus, they all went in through the one door. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ in John chapter 14 and verse 6. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven except through Christ. The ark is a picture of the salvation in Jesus Christ. Do you know what else the Bible tells us about the ark? The Bible tells us that it was covered inside and outside with pitch. P-I-T-C-H. You'll find that in the book of Genesis. And this word pitch has the same root word that we get for atonement. And the pitch kept the waters of judgment from going inside the ark to protect everyone that was inside the ark. And because it is a picture of atonement, it is a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And the ark is picturing that when you come to Jesus Christ for salvation, you are covered in his blood and you are saved from the judgment of God. The ark is a picture of Christ. Do you know what else the Bible tells us about the ark? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 16 that God shut everything in everyone that was in the ark in God closed the door it means that God is sovereign over salvation he's sovereign over rescuing you and then he's calling you to himself today and God is the only one who can shut the door when the opportunity for salvation is over the ark is a picture of Christ. Now listen to what I'm about to do. I normally don't like to read long quotes like this, but I found this old, old commentator on the ark, and what he described was so powerful. I thought, well, I'll try to describe that myself. And I thought, nope, he just does it better, so I'm just going to read him. So now I want you to listen to me. Here's what's about to happen. He's going to describe the people in the ark And then he's going to describe the people out of the ark. And then he's going to make application. Listen carefully to it. Look within the ark. There are prisoners there. And to the eye of sense, they are apparently shut up to die. But they are prisoners of hope. They have fled to a stronghold. They have that all around them through which no floods of wrath can penetrate. Their refuge is pitched... Within and without. It is well protected against the worst weather. And what an emblem is the pitch, the very word meaning propitiation or the covering of sins by sacrifice of their complete security from every kind of terror, whether temporal or eternal, and from all risk of perishing either here or hereafter. They are covered in pitch and they will never perish in the moment. Or after the moment temporal or eternity they have pitch on all sides of their new dwelling pitch within and pitch without pitch making it effectually a cover from the storm in a hiding place from the tempest and this is what the sinner has in Jesus Christ friends in darkness if you're in the ark you're covered you're covered by the blood of Jesus what can this world do to you except take your life and you know what happens when that happens God raises it up now without of the ark listen because what he's getting ready to describe is some in this room this morning listen to me look again without the ark there are prisoners there too spirits in prison Condemned criminals confined in the lowest vaults of that frail fortress on which the waves of wrath are about to burst Do you see them these prisoners all alive and joyous and affecting to pity the small company buried within the ark? Do you see them making merry and trying desperately to gamble and to make gain and to live their lives? Listen Look once more and listen There's a lightning flash A rising mighty noise. The flood comes. And which would you rather be, he asks? The ones in the ark or the ones outside of the ark? That's the question. Which would you rather be? Because through the building of the ark, God condemned and judged the world. Noah believed and trusted. It was immediate. He exercised influence. And the whole time he was picturing Christ. Well, the writer of Hebrews says in verse number seven that Noah rebuked the world. Do you see it? And through all of Noah's actions, the world was condemned. Now, let me be clear. Noah wasn't a cantankerous curmudgeon sitting in front of the TV watching Fox News complaining about the ills of the world. That was not Noah. He preached against the culture of his day. But he was an instrument of salvation. He was an ambassador of the grace of God. And through his work and his witness, the writer of Hebrews says he condemned the world how did he do it he did it in his walk Noah walked with God the days of Noah were some of the darkest evil days in human history and Noah could have said God why am I born in this time why didn't you just let me live in another time in another place another location another culture why this one why now why me But he didn't do that. He said, God, I've experienced your grace and your favor on my life and you've raised me up for such a time as this. I'm going to embrace what you've called me to do and the times that you've called me to live. That's why the Bible says he was a righteous man who obeyed God. He was blameless in his generation. He walked with God. And do you know that every day when he picked up that hammer and struck those nails into the ark do you know every day when he stood up on that box and he preached to all of his community and warned them that the judgment of God was coming and that there was a place for them in the ark every word he said through his walk he condemned the world he also condemned the world through his words the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, he preached for 120 years, and only his family listened to him. Could you imagine how discouraged he might have been as a preacher? He warned the people that God was going to judge him, and they didn't listen. But do you know what happened? When God shut that door and that lightning striked and the first drops of rain started to fall? Do you know what was ringing in everyone's ears in that community? Every single sermon that Noah preached. Those would be the last thoughts in their mind when they entered eternity. That foolish preacher was right. And he condemned him with his work. Noah's continual preparation of the ark for 120 years was a constant witness that what God's word said was true. Don't miss this, friends. At the same time that God was preparing judgment, are you listening? God prepared rescue. And what was true in Noah's day is true for you and me. That judgment is coming to this world. We are moving at breakneck speed to judgment. And God today is still providing a rescue as judgment comes. And all you have to do is turn from your sin and turn to Christ and walk through the door of the ark. You don't believe what I'm saying? You think that... Um, An obnoxious preacher? Well, let Spurgeon speak to you for a minute. I haven't used Spurgeon for a while. I figured you might have forgotten about him. So I just wanted to remind you that he's still relevant. He said, He who does not believe God will punish sin will not believe that he will pardon it through atoning blood. Many people are glad to hear about God's gracious promises but want to hear nothing of his judgment. I charge you who profess the Lord not to be unbelieving with regard to the terrible threatenings of God to the ungodly. Believe the threat even though it should chill your blood. Believe though nature shrinks from the overwhelming doom. For if you do not believe, disbelieving God at one point will drive you to disbelieve God upon other points of revealed truth. You believe judgment is coming, friends? Do you believe that? If you do... You need to be in the ark. You need to be in the ark of God's salvation. Noah condemned the world through his work and obedience to God. Noah is relevant. His life is amazing. It's fascinating. It was hard to summarize it in these few moments for you. But I want you to know this morning that just as God came to the people of Noah's day, He comes to you and me today through the words of His Son. Are you still with me? Listen. Listen to what Jesus said about Noah. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Pastor, is Jesus going to come back? He sure is. He sure is. It's certain. I believe it even though I can't see it. It's certain. He's coming back. Pastor, how's he coming back? Just like the days of Noah and the flood. We're going to wake up one morning. We're going to go about our normal day. And that's it. It's over. It's done. No more opportunity. Judgment will have come. The parallels to Noah and his life and his day are sobering. Just like ours. Noah's message from God was rejected, just like the Bible and God's message today is rejected. In Noah's day, wickedness, immorality, violence, vulgarity, profanity, lying, killing, blasphemy, pure hatred was rampant. And I've just described what we watch every day on our TV sets when we turn on the news. The parallels are clear. But do you know what else is clear? In Noah's day, there was a remnant of God's grace. And just as there was a remnant of God's grace in Noah's day, there is a remnant of God's grace in our day. And just as God saved people in Noah's day, God will save people in our day. Judgment's coming, but it's not too late. There's still an opportunity to come into the ark of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will believe by faith, just like Noah did, you'll be rescued from the judgment of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, they taught me several ways uh, to preach since I've gone back to school, and one of those is to uh, preach in narrative-style preaching, and that's where you just tell a story. And Noah's story is quite a story to tell. And here's how I would tell it if I was preaching narratively. That God came to Noah one day and he began to speak to him and he said, Noah, this world is pure wickedness. I'm sorry for creating it and for all that's taking place on it and I'm going to bring judgment and I'm going to destroy it all. But Noah, I've seen that you believe me and you walk with me. And I'm extending my grace to you. And I want you to build an ark. And this ark is to be built this way. And I'm going to save you and all of your family. And Noah, while you're building the ark, I want you to preach. I want you to warn the people that judgment's coming. Could you imagine after Noah had that encounter with God, and he went back to his house, and he began to tell his wife, you're not going to believe what happened to me today. And he tells her, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to Home Depot tomorrow. What do you think I'm going to do? And so the next day he got up early, springing his step. He went to Home Depot. He bought all the gopher wood they had in stock, and then he ordered more so they would come back. And he went out and he found that place of land and he began to hammer and build that ark exactly the way God told him to. And when he wasn't building, he'd stand up on a little wooden box and as the people would walk by, they'd say, what are you doing, Noah? Oh, I'm building an ark. Hey, listen, this thing's going to be huge. You're not going to believe it. And you need to come and you need to bring your family because God told me he's going to bring judgment on this world. He's going to destroy everything that isn't in the ark. Those old coal miners, those old hospital workers, those accountants, those computer programmers in Noah's day, you know what they said? Noah, you're a fool. You're silly, man. You've been drinking too much. You're not right. No, I'm telling you, man, just believe me. Look at what I'm doing. I wouldn't do this if it wasn't true. And this went on and on for 120 years. 120 years. Now let's fast forward. 120 years. You with me? God comes to Noah again. That's what the Bible says. God came to him. You know what God said to him the second time? Noah, in seven days. The flood's coming. Seven days, Noah. Finish up. It's coming. Seven days. You thought he preached the first 120 years. Can you imagine what those last seven days of sermons were like? Fast forward with me again. It's the seventh day. Judgment's coming tomorrow. There he is. He's hammered the last nail. All of the animals are starting to make their way into the ark. His family's coming. All the provisions have been made. It's quitting time one last time. Noah's standing out there in front of the ark. Everybody's walking by him. Guys, there's room. There's room in the ark for you tomorrow's judgment day is coming. Won't you come to the ark? Won't you come to the ark? And one last time, everybody said, you're a fool. You're a fool to believe that. And they left. So Noah got all of his family, all the animals, all the provisions in the ark, and he went in. Are you listening? And God shut the door. Night came. One old guy was sitting at his table trying to eat dinner and he was playing with his food and his wife said, how come you're not eating? Oh, I know why you're not eating. You went and listened to that preacher again. He scared you. He's got you all messed up. Why do you listen to that crazy guy? I told you to stay away from him. Dinner's over. It's time for bed. They're laying in bed. He can't sleep. And all of a sudden raindrops start hitting the tin roof of his house they get a little stronger a little faster he jumps out of bed his wife says what are you doing don't talk to me get dressed get the kids we're going to the ark and so they leave their house and they're making their way to the ark and now water is up to their ankles and pretty soon it's up to their knees and they're wading through the water But they're not the only ones. They look around and all of their neighbors are with them. And they're all trudging through the water to get to the ark. And they get there. Let us in, Noah. Let us in. You remember, Noah's the discouraged preacher, right? Nobody's listened to him but his family. And Noah jumps up. They listened. They're here. And he tells his sons to come help him open the door. can't open it. Because God shut it. And when God shuts it, no man can open it. And that ark, with Noah and all of his family, rose above the flood. And everyone outside of the ark perished. Christian, won't you believe what you can't see? And not be unmoved in these days. Have greater boldness because it's coming. Have real faith. Unbeliever, non Christian, what else is it going to take to convince you that what you hear and hear every week is true? It's not too late for you to enter the ark, but one day it will be, and you'll be left outside in the flood of the judgment of God, and there's only one thing that can save you from God's judgment, the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Christ today, I'd encourage you to turn from your sins and trust him as your Savior. Let's pray.